All right, welcome to Venue Virtual Easter. We are so glad you're joining us from wherever you are right now, in front of a laptop, in front of a screen. I don't think we'll be uh, face to face, but we're screen to screen and that's close enough right now. Um, I've called this sermon, uh, Easter didn't see it coming. And I'm not talking about COVID, everybody. I'm talking about something else here. Look, we want to bring joy to a, a situation of reality here. I'm a positive person who deals with reality, and uh, we're really going to bring the voice of God to bear in your situation right now. So wherever you're joining us from, I'm Pastor Corey. If we've never met before, I hope that we get to meet uh, virtually online or face-to-face -face before too long. But welcome to our venue, Virtual Easter. Next week, I'm preaching an exciting message called The Anchor. This whole series that we're in called It Is Well With My Soul how to be okay when it's not okay. Um, it's gonna be coming to a conclusion next week in a, ser a sermon I've called The Anchor. If pain doesn't have an anchor in your life, it could carry you away with it. But I think and I'm confident in the presence of God to give you an anchor for whatever pain you might be in. All right, for this sermon today, I've called it, didn't see it coming. Have you ever been uh, affected by something that you didn't see coming? I have. <laughs> I have a story in my life. I have a, uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming right now to our, our economy, to our, I mean, our health. To, I don't think anybody saw this coming, but I had a friend of mine who was really good at not seeing stuff coming. His name was Andy. And um, I, I love Andy. Andy has since gone on to be with Jesus. And um, he's experiencing a whole new different type of life with our Lord and our Savior. And if you're a son or daughter of God, I want to give you that confidence uh, in, in where he is going, that we are also going one day. Um, but I remember Andy, for, uh, I grew up with his, with his kids uh, when we were a bit younger, and I remember he had a surprise 50th birthday party, and, um, and Andy was one of those guys, like he was just, he was all into the moment, and so he wasn't uh, super, like he couldn't, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you the story and you can see for yourself, um, an Andy moment, ever since then an Andy moment means something like this, we were having a surprise 50th and his wife Pearl, his lovely wife Pearl, invited us over to his house and a bunch of friends, some of who came with me to start Venue Church here, and we went into his house and uh, we were having a 50th birthday party for Andy, and every person who got into the door said to, said to Pearl, should we move our cars from like the driveway? that is big driveway. Should we move the cars from the driveway in front of the street? And she said to every single one of us, Andy's not going to notice. We're like, how could Andy not notice that? I mean, that makes no, it can't be a thing, right? And, um, and every person walked in, we dropped our shoes in the front entry. It was a tiny front entry that was crammed with shoes. I mean, 30 pairs of shoes in the front entry. Every single person, what should I do with my shoes? Don't worry about your shoes. Andy's not going to notice. And we're like, how could Andy not notice? Um, so Andy came in. We were all in the, in the um, kind of the bonus room that they had. We were all tucked away in there. Andy walks in. He walks past on the street. All the cars that weren't normally there on his driveway, all the cars that weren't normally there, walks into the house, trips over 30 pairs of shoes that weren't normally there, yeah. takes his shoes off, throws them on the pile, walks into the bonus room, yeah. and we jumped out and said happy birthday. And Andy's soul left his body for a moment. He was so shocked by what he didn't see coming. How many people know that what you didn't see coming affects your life just like the things that you saw coming? But it surprises us. And to Andy, I don't know if it was a good surprise. Like in the moment, I think he had, you know, four simultaneous heart attacks. I'm like, Andy, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay, Andy? Okay, smooth going on. 
If you're new to Venue Church, it's your first time, this is what I do. So thank you. Just make a nice little comments in the live chat there. That was amazing. Love the dance. Keep moving. All right. Um, listen, you and I have missed things. I've missed things spiritually as bad as that. I've stripped over a bunch of spiritual shoes, left my shoes in the pile, and then walked into the room and like, oh my goodness, how did that, you know, I've missed stuff in my marriage. I don't know what you've missed in your life. I mean, I don't think anybody saw the, the COVID thing coming. We have missed massive uh, things in our lives. And it's funny that every time that we miss something, we always think to ourselves the next time that we'll see it coming. But we don't see it coming. And so I want to preach this sermon, this Easter sermon, about the things that we don't see coming. See, Andy's reaction, like your reaction in this time in your life, in this period in your life, is going to be kind of based on three separate things that all tie together. And so with Andy, these were like microsecond things. But the first one, his actions were based on his ability to see. So my actions are based on, first, my ability to see, and then my ability to discern what I see, because he saw the shoes, right? But to discern what he saw, so to see in the first place, to discern what you see, and then to create a plan based on what you discern that you see, if you even see anything in the first place. Um, John chapter 20, um, it says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, and I hope you read the Bible, I hope you're developing good, healthy Bible reading plans and prayer plans at this time. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I tend to think of myself as the hero in the story, so not the dummy in the story, not the Andy, you know, like, and I love Andy, but I was like, I've done a few Andys in my life. So there's a whole idea that, like, I, I never see myself as the Andy in the story here, but here's Mary Magdalene. Um, now, I don't have time in this Easter sermon. This is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't have time to tell you about his death or the reason that he died being that uh, he saw that mankind was crippled in its sin and lost, and God is so holy that he, no darkness can abide in him. And so the only way to connect you being dark and sinful, and you're like, I'm not sinful, and we're like, you're lying right now, and so you are sinful. And we were actually born into sin, so before we even made a conscious choice to sin, which we made eventually, uh, we were born into sin, and that separates us from a holy God. So this problem is what existed in mankind, and Jesus saw that problem, and uh, God saw that problem and sent Jesus, his son, because... The only thing that can remove sin is a sacrifice. The only thing that can cover sin is blood. And the blood of Jesus was what covered from before the time of Jesus, looking forward to Jesus, and the time backwards, looking back to the sacrifice of Jesus. One gift, one lamb, one sacrificial lamb that covered the sins of mankind forever. He dies on a cross so that you don't have to die for your sin. And so because for your sin, you are separated from God. And the only way to belong to the family of God is to be covered by the blood of Jesus. I guess there wasn't enough time for me to get that in there. All right. Um, but here's the thing, and I want to say this to you right now. This is just kind of something I think that the Spirit of God would say to you. I think Jesus was wrestled with death so that you wouldn't have to. I think he wrestled with death so that you shouldn't fear it. But some of you have forgotten that and are wrestling with the fear of death right now. And I'm going to preach this sermon, and I'm going to preach the lights out of this on your screen today, because the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It says, Mary Magdalene ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, 
What you may not know about this is that uh, this is in the Gospel of John, and John is the other disciple, but he was too humble to say that he was the other disciple. And so he couldn't say Simon, Peter, and John. He had to say the other disciple, and then he throws this in because maybe he was young and millennial, and this is just the one whom Jesus loved. Yeah. Yeah. Like, y'all are special, but yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying. He, no, that was pretty funny. Um, and, and she ran and found Simon and uh, this other disciple, who's John, and she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but and then it says, he has to say this, the other disciple outran Peter, because Peter was getting old, and he, the other guy did it. I'm not going to tell you who it was. It was me, but I'm not going to tell you that. And he reached the tomb first. He stooped in and looked... He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there that Jesus' body had been buried in, but he didn't go in. But he didn't go in. There's something here, just a little kind of a snatch here that you got to get that you got to bow low yeah. to see into the tomb, but, yeah. but then you got to have no shame because when Simon Peter comes along, he got no shame. He arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. So the tomb represents a place of death. So sometimes you have to, don't, don't just bow low and take a look at the, in the place of death in your life that's not working right now, the place that's not. Sometimes you got to just bow, you got to bow low to get in the tomb. This is how the tombs were made. You couldn't just walk in upright with all your pride and all. You know, you got to get on your hands and knees and... Right. That's kind of for somebody there. you got to get on your hands and knees and walk in and sit in the place of death for a little while before you can be resurrected. And so, um, so then the disciple who had reached to the tomb first, John, first, uh, first he got there, also went in, and he saw and believed, for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said, uh, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. But it says, Mary, there was something different ab about Mary, and I, I hope that this would be you as well. It says, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She, she did something that I hope you would do on, on this Easter morning. I hope that you would take one more look. Yeah. Yeah. Just one more look into the place where you saw Jesus last. I think that you got to go to the place where you saw Jesus last, because he might still be there. You know what I mean? And and she, she, some of you grew up in church, and that was the last place you saw Jesus, and it's time to go back sure. to where you saw Jesus, you know, last. And she saw two white-robed angels this time, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. Now, this is funny because we have to understand the mood of heaven in a resurrection moment. See, there's death and there's the sorrow and, and in your circumstance, whatever it looks like now, um, whether you know somebody who, who, who has contracted COVID or, or your business, small business is going under or your family is under pressure because you're all together and you can't get away from them right now and the problems are getting worse. Whatever you're experiencing right now, there's moments of death that we have to sit in, but then the moment of resurrection and the mood changes. And heaven's move changes. They don't understand why are you still crying. They're like, there's been this resurrection that, that happened. And there's going to be a resurrection that happens in this sermon for somebody there today where the mood is going to shift and you're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Death is death, but resurrection is resurrection. And she, she said, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they have put him. She turned 
to leave and saw someone standing there, it was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. It was Jesus who she knew, but she didn't recognize him. It was, she had an Andy moment. I wonder how many times in your life Jesus has been standing there and you didn't recognize him. I, we tend to think of ourselves because we go through life and we're blinded to the fact that Jesus is there. And then we look back and we get angry at him for not stopping all the bad things that happened, but that's, no, 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 he was there suffering it with you. He was there internalizing the pain that happened to you. It would be like my, when my daughters get hurt, it probably hurts me more than it hurts them. And that's how it is with Jesus and you. And until your eyes are opened, you don't know that it was Jesus standing there with you. And every person to get inner healing from the past, we need to get to this place where we see Jesus was standing there with us, suffering with us. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He wasn't a God who stood over here while you were suffering. He was a God who was there with you. He was holding you. He was there. You just couldn't see him. You just couldn't see him. It's also interesting to notice that proximity to Jesus is not the same thing as connection. So some of you have been close and you've been even maybe attending church or you've been around Christ followers or you every now and again read a devotional, but proximity is not the same thing as connection. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? Sometimes he asks questions that he knows the answer to. He just needs you to say so that he can show you how to deal with it. Um, she thought he was the gardener. It's funny. It's funny. She thought that he was the, the prince of heaven, the God who made the garden, and the gardener, she thought he was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> what if God was one of us? <laughs> the prince of the universe. Yeah. And we bring him down to our level and we think that he's the gardener sometimes. We think that that's what he's... <laughs> Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, then she accuses him of stealing him. <laughs> I love that. Like, if you, what'd you do with Jesus? <laughs> Tell me where you put him and I will go get him. Jesus says one thing that forever changes her life, and he's saying it to you, Mary. Something snaps her out of her uptown funk. Mary, whatever your name is, John, whatever your name is, Peter, Corey, Aaron, whatever your name is, he's saying your name like it'll snap you out of it. It'll open your eyes. She turned to him and cried out, teacher, in Hebrew. And then he said, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to my father. But go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Right. Now, before I get into another very interesting text here, I want to bring us this moment in here, because sometimes... Um, Sometimes everything that we think that we know gets shaken. And I think this is one of those times in our country. Everything that we thought that we knew about God and about life and about the economy and about how my relationships are supposed to work, how I think and how I feel, everything gets shaken. So I want to ask you this. Just do a little self-evaluation. How are your emotions doing right now? Are you in a resurrection moment or are you in a death moment? How are your thoughts, your panic levels? Is what you're doing and the way that you're planning and strategizing the best or is it just what you have to tell yourself because you don't know what else to do? See, I can have a thousand Andy moments, but I rarely question the next one. Just me. All right, you can sit there and like, yeah, no. 
I can have a thousand moments, but I rarely question my ability to see, my ability to discern what I see, and my ability to create a strategy that works based on what I discern that I see. I rarely question that about myself. It's something about the human condition and its nature and its pride that we rarely question what we ought to question first. A thousand failures, and the next time out of the gate, I'm like, I can see what's going on. I know, I can discern what I see. I can read you know, 50,000 facts and I got the science. No, you got somebody's opinion about this. You know what? There's a thousand voices out there. And then the ability to create a strategy that works. It must be amusing to heaven, I think, sometimes that we turn the lights out and bump around in the dark. <laughs> trying to find God in all of this, trying to find the future in all of this. And then we get angry at everybody who's not responding the same way that we are. Light is a relative thing. I think we have to come to God, who's the only one who can turn on the lights. Yeah, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, until my daughter Arwen has, uh, she's shooting in the studio as we're shooting right now with two meters of separation before we getting all this all pre-recorded in case we get locked down. But the, the how would you know you're in the dark if everybody else is in the dark room bumping around with you? We're all pretending that we can see, but we can't. Uh, Arwen, my daughter. Um, Parent of the year, once you know, another parent of the year moment. You know, I totally andied this moment in, in that my we had a friend over who was uh, we used to work in an optometrist office, office, and she says to us like, you know that Armin can't see, right? And we're like, what? What do you mean? Well, she goes, she's squinting at everything. She can't see. We're like, but I can see. Why can't she? You know, <laughs> so embarrassing. She, squint, she, can, she literally cannot see the world. So we take her in, and it turns out that her eyes were terrible, and then we got her glasses, and then, oh my goodness, she could see the whiteboard at school. Yeah, yeah. But for the next kid, oh, Ayla, she can see. I assume that she can. Is she squinting? I don't know. <laughs> listen, listen. How would you know you can't see if that's all that you know? How would you know that the lights are off if the lights have always been off? How... Would you know it's been your template? It's been all that you know. You just like have more light than you did yesterday, but it's still dark. How would you know if everybody has the same amount of darkness and we're bumping around in a room? The entire premise of your current strategy for how you are reacting and responding and what you're doing with your life right now is based on three massively flawed assumptions. The first is that I can see. The second is I can discern what I see for what's important and what's not. And the third thing is I can create a plan that works. Massively flawed assumptions, but we rarely question that even though we can have a thousand Andy moments. I want you to have the courage today in this resurrection, because that's part of the death process. You gotta die to some of these things first, and I think the first thing we gotta die to is this whole idea that I can see what's going on, I can discern it, and I can come up with a plan that's actually gonna work for my life. If you can die to that, you can have a resurrection moment today. Let me ask you this. If you can see, if you can discern, and if you can create a strategy that works, what are you afraid of right now then? Right? Because if you could and come up with a strategy, why would you be afraid? Why am I afraid right now? I was delving into this this week, man. I was, I was in on Zoom calls that represented a lot of people in our church and how they're feeling. And I'm like, do you know what I heard? Do you know what I heard that we're afraid of? I'm not afraid of today, per se. I'm afraid I don't know what to do tomorrow. Okay. 
I'm afraid of what might happen tomorrow. I'm afraid of the sickness that might happen. I'm afraid of an outbreak. I'm afraid of my parents being vulnerable. I'm afraid of, I'm afraid of the economy. I'm afraid of what's going to happen with my small. I'm not afraid of today. I'm afraid I don't know about tomorrow. And I don't know how bad it's going to get. And I don't know if I'm going to handle it. I don't know what's going to happen. I heard that. I didn't hear anything else that would have disagreed with that. I can see, I can discern what I see, and I can create a strategy. And I live my whole life based on these things, but I'm deathly afraid of tomorrow. So you can't predict tomorrow, but doesn't your strategy assume that you can? Mine does. What if you were never made to see tomorrow? What if your strategy is predicated on a huge assumption that is completely wrong? Would it not be like me as a man trying to birth a baby? Now I can be part of the birthing process in a sense of like supporting the one who actually gave birth to my kids. But I think sometimes what you and I do is this weird little thing where we're trying to have a baby, but God's like, you can't physically do that. She can, but you can't. I'm like, but I want to share it. And he's like, you can wish till the cows come home, but you're not going to be able to. What if? What if our entire assumption is I can see tomorrow and God's like, you never will be able, you could live to be a thousand, you'll never be able to see tomorrow. But all my security comes from my strategy, which comes from my discernment, which comes from what I can see. And God's like, got it. That's why you're afraid. You're trying to do what you can never do. You have to consider our main fear is that I don't have the capacity to control or deal with tomorrow contrary to what society told me. And to finally realize this, that our main fear is correct. That's true. You'll never have all the facts to tell you what's coming tomorrow. That's right. To finally realize this on Easter Sunday is the gift wrapped up in the crisis. It is the gift. Only the people who through pain and suffering and death unwrap the gift of realizing what it is that we're afraid of. I'm afraid of tomorrow and I can't see it. That is, if you unwrap this crisis, you might find the gift in the middle of it. If you shovel all that stuff that you're shoveling right now, you might find the pony. And that's it. It's not your ability to tell the future that decides how well you weather the storm. Listen, you ready? It's who you're with. It's who you're with. You will make it through if you come through with God. You will make it through the storm. He's the only one who can see tomorrow. And he would hold you in the palm of his hand, but you keep slipping out with your little strategy because your strategy can't see tomorrow. And God's like, I got it. Listen, (laughs) it's who you're with. I'm going to talk about this, another hilarious story where these two guys were two Andes now. And it's a resurrection story, which I love. It's one of my favorites. It says in, in the Gospel of Luke records this, that same day, the same day that Mary went to the garden and Peter and John went, went to the garden to try to find Jesus and they can't find him. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village, village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Like everything. Their whole lives were in shambles. Like you want to talk about a crisis. Their Lord and Master had just been crucified by the Romans. And they were going to come and find them. That's what they're afraid of. So don't, don't downplay the pressure that they are under right now. They are under a, a fear of death. They, they don't know what to do right now. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that happened. They talked and discussed these things. Jesus himself came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. I don't know that God really had to do all that much work. 
to keep us from recognizing Jesus when he's walking with us. I think we're doing our own little Andy moments most of the time. And watch this. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Because he doesn't know. It's like when I come in and I ask my kids what they're fighting about. I've heard them screaming about it for the last five minutes. Like I'm pretty aware of what they're fighting about. But again, sometimes you got to say it before God can deal with it. And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. See, they were sad because they were still in a death moment, but they didn't understand that who they were walking with. They didn't, their eyes hadn't been opened yet that this could be a resurrection moment instead of a death moment. And uh, listen, you've aired your fears with um, many who could only add to them. Would you air them now with the only one capable of dealing with them? Would you air your fears now with Christ one-on-one right now? He's the only one who can see tomorrow. Then one of them, Cleophas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem, this is when you start informing God of things that God already knows, who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. And Jesus goes, what things? <laughs> like you think God's not sarcastic. Come on. That's my spiritual gift. All right. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. So now they're gossiping about Jesus to Jesus. <laughs> like kind of That's good. Jesus is sitting here listening to this whole thing can you imagine he'd just be like Jesus interesting yeah. <laughs> about my height <laughs> kind of about my weight yeah. got my complexion right. got a beard like my beard they're like yeah yeah he looks yeah <laughs> Jesus like never heard of him He says, but our leading priest here, they go informing Jesus and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped. Before this happened, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. But, but because something happened that wasn't according to our plan, we didn't foresee the death. We had hoped he was the Messiah, but obviously not. We had hoped that he would be enough, but he obviously was not. Maybe he... See, they thought he came to save them from the Romans, but obviously not. We thought that he came to save us from the economy, but obviously not. They're, what good is a good economy if your soul is sick? What good is the health of your body if your soul is unhealthy and dying on the inside? First things first. First things first. He said, this all happened three days ago. We've had three days of sitting in this. We don't know what to do. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early. This is like a guy versus girl thing here, which I love. Um, early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see because we can't trust the women, and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. Now, I love this, how, like, guys, we're so dumb. Anyways, he's like, we don't know because just a bunch of chicks, right? So, so we ran over. This is like, Aaron. This is like every day this happens. Like, Aaron, I can't find the fill in the blank in the pantry. Like, Aaron, where's the granola? We're out of granola. Who didn't put the granola back? And Aaron's like, it's in there. I'm like, it's not here. I can clearly see and discern what I am seeing and come up with a strategy and we're out. Sure. <laughs> Somebody took it out of our house. Aaron's like, if I get up there, it's going to be right in front of you. I'm like, Aaron, the granola not here. She come over. She's like, your hand is on the granola. <laughs> It's already on the granola. Yeah. It was going to be, it, it was on the granola last time. Yeah. <laughs> but we checked it out. We we're guys. We checked it out. Good. Now we got it. Sent a bunch of dudes in there. Yeah. It's all the same stuff. All right. 
One of, one of them ran faster than the other one, you know, stuff like that. All right. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Watch what he does now. Now this is in a death moment, right? So they're in a death moment. Sometimes we get a little proud and we don't hear this from Jesus, but you got to open yourself up to hear like, look, you andied it, people. You andied it. You got to be able to hear that. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah? No, you got to see them. They're informing him about him. And now he's running with the, the scriptures that they didn't interpret properly about him when he was pretending that he didn't know him. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into glory to suffer the death before the resurrection? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses, I love this, and all the prophets, explaining from the, all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then, and then wasn't the Son of God supposed to, he was wounded for our transgressions. I was wounded for your, trans, I, he was wounded for our transgressions. You've got to keep it straight here. By the time they were uh, nearing Emmaus and the, re, and the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. Now, this is the awkward moment for you on Easter Sunday morning. Whenever you're picking this up, wherever you're watching this from, this is the awkward moment because Jesus, the light of salvation and the resurrection, needs an invite. This is where it gets awkward, as awkward as it would be for a couple of dudes walking with Jesus, and he acted as if he were going on. Because you have to understand, he is the God of the universe. We have to do this thing on his terms. And we've been trying to get him to crawl down to our level and do life on our terms. And he's like, that is not life. That is just more sickness and disease and death. Can we do the resurrection on my terms is what he's saying. He's like, I'm going to act like I'm going on. Now you have to do your thing because until you do your thing, I can't do my thing. And that's the responsibility that you and I have right now. Wherever you're at, I don't even, if you're a church person, you have to do something this morning that invites him. You have to do your part before he can do his part. Now, your part doesn't amount to that much. It's just an invite. I mean, these guys are like, how do, you get, how do two guys walking on the road invite another guy over? Like, play some video games? You want to make some nachos? You come for a sleepover? I got some jammies you can borrow. I mean, it's super awkward, right? But that's what it is. It's going to be super awkward for you to invite Jesus, but there's something about the person that you're hearing from that you just like, either I got to go back and figure this thing out, or I could be with the one who... Seems to know more than I know. And so they begged him, stay with us, let's do it, let's have a sleepover, man. You can play my video game station, like just anything, just stay. And so he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and somebody's going to recognize Jesus today. If you're going to give your life to Jesus, just do it now. Just say, I gave my life to Jesus. We'll help you with some resources. We'll tell you what to do next. We want this to be a celebration moment for you. It's time. You've been living in the dead end of your own life and your own purpose, and you'll never find it. But here it is. The person of Jesus Christ. It's not a system of beliefs. It's not going to church. It's not reading your Bible that saves you. It's a person that saves you. Then we maintain our relationship with that person by going to church and giving and reading our Bibles and praying and we make our relationship better but he did something that you could never do he can save your soul but you got to invite him for a sleepover at your house and they recognize him at that moment he disappeared they said to each other didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us didn't our hearts 
And your heart burn within you. Yeah. Isn't there something going on inside? You know that Jesus is the way, truth, and life. You know you can feel it. You just can't think it. You just can't get there with something. You've got to get there with your heart first. See, what they had done and what you and I do is we expend all of our energy trying to see in this crisis, trying to discern what we see, and then trying to come up with a plan that works. Here's what I want to say to you today. The one with you already has a plan for your life. Quit wasting your time. You could live to be a thousand. You're still not, man, you're still not going to have that baby. Humans, you're still not going to be able to come up with a, a strategy that satisfies tomorrow and puts you in the best place for your soul and for the souls of those around you. You are with the one who's got it. Before you were born, he had a strategy for this moment. He had a strategy for the rest of your life moving forward. He knows what he wants you to do. He knows how to fulfill your heart and your soul. He is the only one who knows, and he has a strategy and his plan. You just got to invite him in. What a monumental waste of time. I know how you feel about it, because sometimes I look back and I'm like, I just wasted 20 years of my life. I'm going to have to redo every conversation I just had with this new revelation. But for you, quit wasting. You can't look back and regret that and have that keep you from walking into the person and and asking Jesus for the strategy. But let me tell you this, better late than never. And I'm not going to look back and regret these things because, look, there were moments of death, but now it's a moment of resurrection. Here's what I think in the temperature, here's what I think is happening right now to you and to me. I think that we, particularly in our country in Canada, but I think it's very typical right now, I think, you ready? I think we are afraid of dying. The economy, look, yeah, no, I get it, I get it. I think why this is landing in a very hard place for us is we're kind of trying to come up with a strategy, listen, to not die. I'm hearing it. I'm feeling it. I'm having to deal with it. We are afraid of dying. I'm going to say this in a foot. Jesus would roll over in his grave if he was in one, if that's what he thought you were afraid of most. Listen, his death and resurrection changed everything for the human race. He told death to sit down over there and be quiet. He did it. He was the only one who could stand up to death and win. And here you and I are trying to stand up to death and we're just trying to avoid it. But listen, as healthy as you can be, you can live to be 100, you're still going to cross this threshold. What Jesus did was he changed the threshold from a hopeless one to a life-giving one. He's like, death, you're not the end, you're just the beginning now. No, 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 no. You don't get to say what you do anymore. I get to say what you do. I rule and reign over this. I have the keys of death and Hades in my hand. You don't get to decide anymore. You sit down over there and shut up, death. I'm in town now. New sheriff in town. You're the beginning of life. You're the beginning of eternity. You're the beginning of a return to the Garden of Eden in heaven where Jesus planned for you to be this entire time. You are the doorway. Death, you are only the doorway. And I want every person here to hit a reset in their spirit and their soul. And I want you, listen, if you're a Christ follower, I'm telling you right now, why are you afraid of death? Jesus already wrestled with death. It is the best thing that could ever happen to you. But for you, if you would consider yourself far from God, if you, if you know that you're not connected to God right now, you know that you've been going to church, but you're not even connected with God and you know it and you're afraid of this thing and you shouldn't be afraid of this thing. Listen, I want you to pray this prayer with me. 
in your own words, but Father, I pray for us to hit a reset in our spirit, oh God, in Jesus' name, and to recognize and sit in the moment of death and be honest and say, I'm afraid of you right now. I'm afraid. I, I don't know what to do right now. Father, our entire society here in Canada, we've spent our entire lives trying to escape death and trying to be healthy so we never have to think about this. But Father, there are people all over the world who live in awful circumstances every day. They're afraid that their children aren't going to have enough food for today. Father, they deal and wrestle with the fear of death every day, Father. But you came to save them from that. You came to save us from that, not from the fear of death, Father, but from death itself. You say that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, which means the more afraid we are, the farther from love we are. And Father, I'm, a, I'm worried for the soul of our people that we have fallen out of love with you, that we have fallen away from love with you, because if we were with you, we wouldn't be afraid of death. We wouldn't be afraid of dying. We would carry the message of the hope of Christ with us everywhere we go. And Father, we pray that you would forgive us for this sin. And Father, I pray for every person right now who knows in their soul that they should be afraid of death because they have no connection to you, Lord. I pray that they would enter the love of Christ now. Father, we ask forgiveness for our sins, which keep us apart from a holy God. Forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness like only your son Jesus can do in his death and resurrection that his blood would wash over, over our sins and cleanse us and make us new and holy. Father, we recognize we are not worthy to be in the family of God, but somehow with the death of Jesus, you adopt us, and we are so grateful for that. Thank you. For every person who's made a new commitment, I pray that they would make a new commitment moving forward to give the rest of their lives to you, Jesus, in every piece and every part, to let you into every part of our lives, every strategy, everything we think we see and discern, that we would go to our Savior who already has a plan for our lives, a fulfillment and purpose and life after death, Father and abundant life in this life, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.